Swamiji, we've been talking about reincarnation, and I'm curious about what we carry forward with us into our next life. Talents? Well, they say you can't take it with you, <laughs> but that means things. There was a wealthy man who went to a psychic to ask whom, who he would be in his next incarnation so he could will all his money to that person. <laughs> 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 I don't think it works, but <laughs> a clever thought anyway. What you do is you, you bring tendencies with you. Um, I mentioned, I think, in one of these programs, at the age of seven, um, my, I'd written an essay for school, and as children will do, they'll say, and this, and this, and this. My parents said, oh, you use the word and too often. And I didn't doubt that they were right. I knew they were right. But there was this sudden thought in my mind, who is anyone to tell me how to write? <laughs> and uh, that's an indication. In the first six or seven years of a child's life, you see the tendencies more clearly. They may sometimes, and there are many records of this, of children who actually remember who they were before. And then those memories fade away usually as they die. There's, one very interesting case in America of a boy who, who was screaming at night. He thought he was about to die, and it turned out he was a pilot in World War II who was shot down over Iwo Jima. And uh, he remembered everything. He remembered who he was, what the plane was. He could draw a picture of what the plane looked like and everything. Many things that proved it. Anyway, he managed to meet his ex-people um, who were in the Corps with him, whatever it was, the Air Corps. And uh, he said to his mother, Mommy, they're so old. <laughs> they were in their 50s. He, was, uh, he came back very quickly. But what you take is your tendencies. You don't usually remember, but you remember you, you may not remember the recipes you used as a cook, <laughs> but you do remember that you like cooking. Mm -hmm. you, um, you, you have an attraction to certain things. And uh, when I, I didn't know anything about Indian philosophy, but the moment I was exposed to it, immediately I said, this is mine. Mm -hmm. I felt that it was, it was cosmic. It was not limited. And uh, in many ways, we carry with us Everybody is a different human being, apparently. They have different traits and so on. Those traits have been decided by many, many lifetimes of action. Swami, um, in between lifetimes, is there a sense of what the next lifetime is supposed to accomplish? Do we set out certain goals? This depends upon a person's level of refinement, you might say, spiritual refinement or maturity. Usually when people die, if they're of a grosser type, there's not much consciousness in the other world. They're not ready for it. But uh, as they become more advanced, then they begin to develop, first of all, a sense of purpose. And they, they are born with the knowledge that they have this job to do. That doesn't come to everybody. But are there, for many people, there's some 
major events, turning points that happen in that lifetime? Are those preordained in a sense? Or? Well, everything that happens to you is preordained. I thought you were asking how conscious of you of it are you, but it's all preordained. If you uh, get a sickness at the age of three, that's already ordained before you were born. Everything you carry with you, it's in your subconscious and it's a vortex of energy that I have this to complete that draws to yourself those, those uh, results. I guess I'm sort of asking how much choice is involved in it. Yeah. No, our choice is whether we turn toward God or whether we turn, decide to lift our energy or let it go down. You're faced with a problem of sickness. Will you try to fight it or just give in? And, but whether you get the sickness, that's determined by your karma. Swamiji, do you think friends who are in the astral world together can make agreements to help each other do something when they're incarnated? Well, I suppose some of them can, but uh, we certainly meet many friends from past lives. Those, <clears throat> I mean, I was born in Romania. My guru was born in India. We met, we were bound to meet, even though our place of beginning was so, this world, the distances and so on, is all the delusion. It's really the energy that draws you. People that you've been close to before, you draw them at the right time, and uh, you may have sometimes hated somebody, you'll be drawn to him too. Both love and hatred are magnetic, and they will attract to themselves, attract each other to themselves. If sometimes you find families that are um, just always disrupted. These are enemies who are born in the same family, attracted by mutual hatred. And, but love is the higher kind of attraction, obviously. And certainly there are some people you meet. I've met many people like that, that I just know them. I was in a TV program a few years ago in India, and there were about 100 people there. And I suddenly felt that I knew them all. They were all friends or family members. And uh, it's a strange experience, but you just don't know who they are, what the connection was, but you know that you know them. And I think the more sensitive you are, the more that happens. Swami, in other programs you've mentioned that it's possible for us in the body, in this world, to influence or send love to people who have left this world. Does it also work the other way around? Do they also yes, influence us? Certainly. I know that I said to my guru one time, will you always be as near to us as you are now? He said to those who think me near, I will be near. And death is not, death is just taking off an overcoat. Mm -hmm. It's not changing things very much. So there's, there's a contact from the other side, just as from here. Swamiji, can you describe what the astral world is like? Well, the astral world is a world of energy, not a physical world. Being a world of energy, it has freedom. In that freedom, there is, for example, in this world, our emotions 
are contained by these heavy walls of flesh. When that, when that wall is removed, when those walls are removed, then suddenly we can feel much more deeply so that in the astral world you experience, and if you experience pain, it's much more intense. But if you experience joy, it's again, much more intense. The world of energy is a world of also brilliant colors. The colors in this world are pale imitations, they're reflections. If, the, if you turn the lights out at night, you don't see anything. And there, everything has its own light. It doesn't depend on the sunlight, it's not reflected light. So the colors in the astral flowers, for example, are much more brilliant. Sounds are more and more beautiful. If you have a desire for beautiful sights and sounds of nature and so on, that can be satisfied better in the astral world than in this world. So the astral world is a place where, again, they show angels with wings. You don't need wings in the astral world. There's no air to support you if you have wings. That's just a, a fantasy. Actually, you can fly just by thinking because you're not bound by gravity. Swamiji, what is an angel? Is what? That, what is an angel? An angel is, I suppose there are different levels of angels, but an angel is a being who is not bound by the earth, not bound to return to the earth. That serves as an anchor or uh, around your, your ankles. But uh, an angel is a being who is free in the astral world. And uh, there are beings there who are not angels. They're also devils. But a higher angel, an uh, angel is one who is higher and going toward God. I'd say it's a being in the astral world who loves God. And angels can come to earth as well. And do. I knew uh, one time I was in, at a Kriya initiation. This was in 1949 with my guru, maybe 48. And he said, thousands of angels have passed through this room today. Swamiji, angels are a different being altogether from human beings. They don't... Well, when, you're, when you've rid, gotten rid of your human body, you're not a human being. So yes, they're different in that sense. But they're, they're not a different uh, species. You become an angel when you, when you become freed from the physical body freed from reincarnation, you become an angel. So they have gone through human evolution. Not necessarily. That's what I was trying to say. They may not have gone, come this low, but I think probably most of them have. Swamiji, so, did you ever have an experience of an angel? Yes, I've had such experiences. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. I know when I was a child, I used to see great light and I'd feel my consciousness expanding when I went to bed. But uh, I didn't see beings. Um, I just felt angelic myself, you might say. But no, I know I've had experiences, but I can't quickly at the moment think about them. Is there a reality to the concept of a guardian angel? I've read that there is and I don't know, so I can't speak from personal knowledge. I think that my guru is my guardian angel. I've found many times 
that uh, in difficulty I've been warned in different ways. But there was one man who didn't know God and wasn't even a devotee at the time. He was an alpinist, and he did a first ascension, and he reached the level and suddenly found he couldn't go further. And he just thought, well, if I starve or if I crash, it doesn't make any difference. I'll die anyway, so I'll try to climb. And God and the angels support willpower and determination. He fell as soon as the thing, as the uppers uh, went outward, he fell down. Finally, as he on about the 25th try, he started to climb up above him from this ledge, and the, the wall of the ledge went outward. And instead of falling, he suddenly felt a force pushing him against the mountain, and he was able to come up to the top and walk down. Well, that would be an angelic force. 